Good morning, good morning, good morning, and welcome to another Clearwater Jazz Holiday Foundation's Young Lions Jazz Master Virtual Sessions. I am your guest host, Michael Canodal, and guess what? Another treat on a Thursday. We have the professor, none other than Brandon mm -hmm. Robertson. And guess what the topic is today? What I love about Larry Gales. That's right. You heard it right here first. I know you're excited. And if you're here and you have questions at any point of the presentation, go into that chat and just type your question in. Uh, we would love to answer anything that you may want to ask. You know, this wouldn't be possible without our sponsors. So I just want to make sure, uh, please be sure to check out the studio archives of our past sessions at clearwaterjazz.com slash education outreach section. And that's brought to you by Blue Water Wealth Management at Stewart Partners and Duke Energy, as well as our Young Line podcast available wherever you stream. That's brought to you by our friends at Marine Max Clearwater. All you have mm -hmm. to do is just search Young Line Jazz Master Virtual Sessions wherever you stream. I mean, where do I begin? We've had so many awesome sessions from the professor. He's one of our favorites here. I mean, you see him all the time. I'm just going to name a few, and we're going to get started because I know you want to hear about this great session today. How about the What I Love About series, like we're doing today? I mean, he's talked about Paul Chambers, Jocko Pistorius, Christian McBride, Sam Jones, you name it. I mean, those names are amazing, by the way. <laughs> and of course. It just as much. I mean, don't forget, he's done a few sessions on theory as well, and you know, how to conduct your business in the music industry. How he's able to do this? Well, because he's out there doing it for himself. So Brandon's not only a Emmy nominated music director, he's a professor uh, at FGCU, professional upright electric bassist, composer, music educator. He's originally from none other than the great Tampa, Tampa, Florida, Florida, where we reside. <laughs> and he completed his bachelor's of art in music at Florida State University in 09. And he has a master's in music and jazz studies in spring 2016. Currently, he is the director of jazz studies at uh, FGCU. He's also the director of the basketball band. And um, if you're ever down there in Fort Myers, you just, you have to check them out at Florida Gulf Coast University. Um, so without any further ado, you know, I also have to mention, you know, if you want to hear some great music, Professor Brandon Robson, he definitely has some things you can hear. How about his debut album, Based on a True Story? And that came out fall 2019, and you see it right there on the screen. Went all the way to number 16 on iTunes, top 200 at least. You need to go check them out. But I think that's enough. I think we want to hear what we came to hear today to what I love about Siri. So, Professor Brandon Robertson, the stage is all yours. Thank you, Mr. Canola. Thank you to the Clearwater Jazz Holiday Foundation. You guys are family. We already know what it is, and I'm very happy to be here this morning. So thank you for having me come back. Now, for today's topic, I'm actually really excited to talk about today's topic because um, this particular individual doesn't get talked about a lot. And when we talk about the history of jazz bass, his name isn't mentioned often. However, 
he is highly known throughout history in jazz and because of his relationship with the great high priest himself mr thelonious monk and so i'm speaking about one of the three uh vibrant and flourishing bases that monk used and we're talking about mr uh larry gales okay and you have malik abduk you have John Ori, and then you have Larry Gales. You have these three prominent bass players who find the signature sound of the Thelonious Monk Quartet. And Monk, everybody knows, was very eccentric. He was quirky. He was strange. He was weird. And that's what the outside world looked at him as. Folks like myself and those of us who study music and we're into jazz and we listen to this music and we live this lifestyle, we knew that Monk was a genius. And Monk had such a understanding of not only himself, but he understood and was very woke about the music he was performing. And so he needed certain type of individual that understood his quirkiness and the way he thought about harmony and larry gales was definitely one of those bass players okay he also was a bass player that to me defined the true relationship of the role between bass and drums and so him and ben riley I mean, they, if you look at the relationship that they had, these guys have been playing with each other for more than 30 plus years. I mean, they dated back all, actually, I would say, yeah, I would say about 30 something years. They dated back all the way to their beginnings, uh, starting with uh, Eddie Davis and, and his quartet. And essentially, they did a lot of recordings with Eddie Davis and um, uh, what's my man named? The other uh, sax player, uh, Johnny Griffin. And they did a lot of recordings with them. So the two of them were already an established pair before they even got with Monk. And I think it's funny, I, I, from my research, I think it's funny that, you know, these guys are playing in that group. And then Monk came along and kind of did what what miles did with the first wave of his quartet versus that second wave when he had red garland and coltrane and then it kind of switched and he got paul chambers and got philly joe and then he went with cannonball so you know it was this it was this shift and so that was the kind of the same premise and so i just want to go over today just talking about like what larry gales contribute and you know his contributions to 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 jazz and so uh moving on here all right so full name lawrence bernard gales he was born in new york city in march of 1936. um he began playing bass at 11 and he attended the manhattan school of music in the late 50s and during this time frame, uh, Larry Gales was a, a very prominent and young up-and-coming bassist. And at this time in the 50s, New York City was popping. I mean, it was really popping. You had a lot of young bass players that were moving there. Scott LaFaro had moved to New York at some point. Charlie Hayden 
came straight out of uh new york uh out of california when he moved to new york city and he met the legendary saxophonist ornette coleman so you had these you had a lot of young vibrant new uh, uh bass players at this time ray brown had just left new york and went to california where they started the jazz at philharmonia so there was this there was these transitions that were occurring so larry gales was probably like he was really in the height in the middle of the hot of, of I, I would say at the prime of jazz you know in the 50s and so during this decade he started working with dc her eddie lockjaw davis johnny griffin herbie man pianist uh junior uh, junior mance which he did do a, a a very famous recording at the village vanguard which i'll get to that and of course the the most legendary singer joe woods and so from 1964 to 69 so about a five-year sting he then became a member of the Thelonious Monk Quartet and he recorded extensively one of the two biggest recordings that Monk did during that era with Larry Gales on bass was Chaser and Underground. These were two huge monumental records that Monk put out that a lot of people including myself got to study you know later on after he had his uh he had his time and his stint with uh the the with the monk quartet he then relocated to los angeles and then he started recording very frequently and working with uh pianist errol gardner willie bobo uh red rodney sweats uh sweets edison uh saxophonist uh benny carter uh trumpeter blue blue mitchell and of course the legendary clark terry and guitarist Kenny Burrow. And so um, he also recorded with Buddy Tate, uh, Benny Green, this not not mistaken for the actual pianist, but um, he recorded with Benny Green back in the early 60s. Um, he did a lot of recordings with Sonny Stitt, Mary Lou Williams, uh, Jimmy Smith. Um, he has his really, one of my favorite records uh, by Sonny Chris, uh, Out of Nowhere, that he recorded in the 70s. That features Larry Gales and uh, Big Joe Turner. Um, he only led one album he only recorded one album during his entire life life uh span and um this was towards actually towards the end of his life so it was the it was five years he recorded this record five years before he died um in 1990 and it was a tribute record that he wrote entitled a message from monk which featured a lot of young up-and-coming uh, jazz musicians who were part of the Young Lions era. So we're talking about Steve Ray, uh, saxophonist Junior Cook, um, trumpeter uh, Claudio uh, 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 Claudio uh, uh, Rotini, and of course a very very young pianist Benny Green and this is like coming right out of the Art Blakey era so all these guys that I just named to you were part of that Young Lion era in the 90s and so Monk or I'm sorry not Monk uh Larry Gales his entire band was comprised of the next generation of jazz musicians that are that are like above me now above my generation he recorded extensively in the 70s and 80s, and he did throw out prominently in the 60s as well. He only recorded one album as a leader, and he's one of the leading bases of open improvisation in jazz history. And what I mean by that is when he played with Monk, he, he rarely 
I mean, he took bass solos. Like Monk obviously let them take bass solos, but it was very abstract. I mean, you really had to study and listen to a lot of Thelonious Monk to understand what in the heck they were playing because it was just stuff that I was like, I have no God-given clue what he's playing. But functioning, like harmony-wise, oh, it was dead on. It was dead center. It was right on money. So he was one of those bass players that kind of felt like, uh, and, and, and to some degree, I would categorize him in that era of Jimmy Garrison, Charlie Hayden, these bass players that when you hear them walk or solo, it was very abstract. Like they knew how to extend the harmony beyond what was being how it was being presented so that's why i put on that last bullet that he's one of the leading bases for opening improvisation oh so here's some of the things that i actually love about playing and what i really really respect um so beautiful rich sound he has a beautiful tone anytime you hear any of the uh basses that played monk man their tone was present it was the first thing you heard out of their bass um his musicality on the double bass you know you just you look at you look you can look at an individual and just tell that they're a bass player they, they just have that look and his understanding on how to utilize his technique his understanding of how to get around the bass and you can tell that he studied classical music be just because of the way he's able to maneuver around the bass and the positions um his contributions to the band and i mean there was a certain level of trust that was being bestowed upon uh the band members especially between ben riley and larry gales the two of them had this trust with each other that no matter what they did no matter who did what one of them one of the other was always going to have their back and i really respect that that was a concept that i really respect and i really enjoyed you know watching them do um his extensive musical influence you know him having the 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 influence of bebop also having the influences of john lewis with the modern jazz quartet but then also having that same sensibility and understanding from Thelonious Monk himself. Um, he had superb clarity in his solos and bass lines. I mean, every every solo and every bass line I've heard of Larry Gibbs is very like distinguished. You know, it wasn't something that I had to try to sit there and figure out like, man, what is he playing? Like it was dead on. He knew exactly what he wanted to sound like. He knew exactly uh, how to get the notes to sound the way he wanted to sound, which gets me to my main point. It's superb, innovative concepts in his approach to the bass. Even um, one of the solos that I'm going to play for you in this in this presentation, man, it's just listening to it. You're like, how in the world is he hearing it? And you can see it on his face just watching his facial expression you can see he's searching like and it's um, it's amazing to watch that because you can tell you can see in his just in his numbers like he's really searching he's pushing he's pushing the boundaries um he had a big bounce in his bass playing like everything was boom 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 boom, 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 
boom, ba boom. Like you can feel the bounce, which if you watch any monk uh, live videos of monk playing, you can see monk kind of doing this. And that's because he can feel that bounce that's matriculating uh, through Larry Gale's bass lines. And lastly, the way he connected with this monk. I mean, I loved, I loved studying bass players that had a connection with the band leader. So for instance, uh, when I was studying the Oscar Peterson trio, when I would watch videos of Oscar Peterson, Ray Brown, and Ed, Ed Thigpen, you know, performing together, and I would watch how Ray would, you know, how he would let Oscar kind of like help him dictate what he should do on the bandstand. And it was amazing to watch their chemistry and it kind of taught me like, okay, this is my role. This is how a bass player needs to function and utilize not only their mental state, but their physical state with the rest of the band. And so whenever I hear Larry Gales and Monk, you can just tell that Monk trusted him a lot. Like there was times where Monk would just stop playing in the middle of his solo and Larry just takes it. And Monk knew it would feel good. He knew it would sound good. He knew that whatever Larry was playing, it would work. It would fit. It wouldn't disrupt the, the, the flow of the mantra of the tune. It would always keep everything glued together. So this is a very important thing that I wanted to point out, that the, the, the relationship in the rhythm section was so deeply rooted, and it was so tight that when they decided to add Charles Rouse into the picture, the saxophonist Charlie Rouse, it it was just the mess. It was the icing on the cake, and Monk knew he had something. He knew that I'm forever going to have the, one of the most uniquely put together groups because each of these members all trust each other. They all had a, a very high level of trust and musicality that they were able to present right there in the moment on the bandstand. So here's some of my favorite uh, Larry Gale Gale's features. Uh, on albums okay so uh this was one of the first actually this first uh record was the one of the first records i was introduced to by eddie davis um by a saxophone teacher in college and this this record is called the tenor scene or the tenor scene and this record is a very monumental record because uh it uses the same rhythm section that essentially uh junior mance who is the, who's the, who's the pianist was the piano player in that group and i started noticing that a lot of these groups in the 60s and 50 50 and 60 they were all they were all working with each other it was just one big community like i call it one big large big band with just an extension of different folks and so Eddie lockjaw Davis, that's it. That was his nickname. Johnny Griffith came out with this duo record called The Tenors in 1961. Junior Mans uh, came out with this live recording trio record at the Village Vanguard, also came out in 1961 under um, Jazzland Records. And I believe that the tenor scene uh, came out of prestige. Um, this next record is probably hands down hands yo hands down hands down my favorite monk record live at the it club when i was in graduate school my my bass teacher rodney jordan he loves this record this is one of his favorite monk records 
and he said brandon i want you to study this record i feel like you'll get a better understanding of what i'm talking about when i approach a monk and boy when i tell you it is so much bass playing and swinging on this record my lord and also the reason why this record stands out to me because there's a particular tune that monk wrote called evidence now this is how this is how much trust that uh this is how much trust that ben riley and larry gales have for each other monk is soloing or no they come out of the drum solo ben really comes out of his solo and uh you know what i'm gonna save that i'm gonna save it for when i show the video because i think that'll be better but just know this is one of my this is one of my favorite records live at the a club the longest month another great record that came out of that same group was straight no chaser this is probably the most highly known jazz this is in the top 10 highly known jazz records of all time like everybody knows straight no chaser and so uh this is another record that pretty much features all of monk's classic you know originals um underground was another record again that was recorded uh with that same quartet out of nowhere is a, is a really killing modern record that sonny chris came out with in 1976 that features larry gales and then of course larry gales is own and own only record only record that he came out with uh which was a message from monk that came out in the, in the late in the early 90s now some of my favorite solos that we're going to listen to uh for this presentation uh around midnight this is uh, a version that he that he actually sings he wrote some lyrics and he's singing so this is the first time and only time you'll ever hear Larry Gales sing on a on a recording. And this is on his message. This is on his record, A Message from Monk. Um the next clip that we're gonna show is a solo that I really love of of a Thelonious Monk tune called Rhythm and Nig, uh that featured with the Charlie Rouse Quartet. So Charlie Rouse was the saxophonist that played in, in Monk's quartet. And uh after they disbanded, uh, after they disbanded, Charlie Rouse just decided to keep on the same group, just replacing Monk with Walter Davis Jr. and um, keeping Larry Gales and Ben Riley as the rhythm section. Uh, this next clip or this next solo, this was this is probably one of my favorite solos because he gets busy, like oh, he gets mad busy on this record on his live uh, recording of lulu's back in town it was a tune that monk wrote and they're in noriega in in 1964 it was a, of the tour that they were on he it, it this how bad that this record that this solo was that it was so killing that monk you see in the clip monk looked at larry gales and he got up and walked off stage he's like man you got this i don't need to be here right now i'm gonna get me a drink i'm gonna go do some whatever just let just holler at me when you want me to come back and he does it he quotes the melody to let monk hey man i'm finished get your behind back on stage we gotta go <laughs> so the next record uh is a message from the high priest which is the only original song that you'll ever find of larry gales i looked i searched there's no other original recording original music out there of his except for this one song that's on his record 
so and it's actually cool it's, it's a minor it's kind of like this minor uh f minor blues ish but it's really hip as a really hip uh melody and then lastly is my favorite version of evidence by monk and it was the story that i was kind of describing to you all so when we get to that clip i'll i'll describe to you you know the background of why i like this recording so the very first one we're going to listen to is uh, Round Midnight by uh, Thelonious Monk, written by Monk. But this was a dedication album that Gary Gales had, uh, you know, comprised a lot of Monk's tunes. It was pretty all Thelonious Monk's tunes except for his original tune. And this is from A Message from Monk, his album. And this features uh, Claudio Roditti. Trumpet, uh, Steve Teray on trombone, Junior Cook on tenor sax, uh, Larry Gales on bass, a very young Benny Green on piano, and Ben Riley on drums. So uh, we're gonna listen to just a little bit of it, just so you can guys, you guys can get an idea of the tune and check out his singing. It's the first time you get to hear him sing. So let me know what you think. to tell round midnight round midnight I do pretty well till after sundown supper time I'm feeling so sad for it really gets bad round Memories seem to start round midnight, round midnight. Haven't got the heart to stand those memories. That's the time I feel so blue. Oh, midnight, midnight, no. It too. When each quarrel we had need mending does, it means that our love's not in need. Darling, I need you, and lately I. Out of my heart and I'm out of mm. my mind. Mm. Let our love take wings round midnight, 
round midnight let the angels say for your returning let our love be safe and sound when old midnight midnight comes around bruh let me tell you something let me tell y'all something right there that was beautiful by the way right right, right. you let, let it be known that was yeah fresh air. <laughs> listen 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 i the first time i heard this i was in my first year in grad school and my piano teacher bill peterson he's i mean he's really he, he really in the mall and he's like brandon have you heard this version of larry gills playing around midnight i was like well i'm pretty sure he's played this a bunch of times with monk he's like no 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 have you heard his version of it i was like no nah, i ain't heard his version and he didn't tell me that he was singing. He said, yeah, I'm going to play it for you real quick. And he played it, and I was like, okay, okay, okay. I, I've been slipping. <laughs> I've been sleeping this whole time. So, and that's, and what's, you know, what's so sad about, uh, what's so sad about this recording is that this is the only audible recording you will ever find of Larry Gale singing. You there's no other version of this of this particular version out there. None. I've I searched. I looked and I couldn't find any. So if anybody finds another one, please send it to me. But I couldn't find another one. But the fact that he, he was actually able to accompany himself and sing the way he was singing with that phrasing and still bruh. Amazing 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 beautiful stuff and let me also point out about this record uh, uh i'm not sure if claudio rodidi but because i i wasn't familiar who he was but i do know junior cook uh uh, uh, not, uh ben riley steve teray you know i'm not being uh benny green and steve teray i mean these guys were very very young on the scene and they're they were you know coming out of that young lions era and you know you got you got guys who are from a uh you have almost like three different generations on that in this band and having that education benny green talks about it a lot on his facebook page he's always sharing these wonderful stories about his time when he was you know in his early 20s you know working with art blakey you know working with larry Gales, you know uh, um working with uh wallace rooney and you know uh you know him and his bandmates you know that were you know like peter washington and jerome jennings you know these guys were all these young guys that were part of that young lines era. and if you listen to this whole recording it is kind of sad that you don't really get to hear uh you don't get to hear Junior cook or steve ray like below that much on the record uh but even in the fact that they got that experience alone they are i'm pretty sure they learned enough to get it passed down for them later on all right so this one right here all i'm gonna say is your boy went in 
Larry Gales was not playing on this solo. He he was not playing. And like I said, you can look at his face. Yeah, he's searching. And he's really trying to push the boundary. So he's like, let me see how far I can take this. But I just want y'all to see what Monk do. Monk looked back and he just got up. He was like, yeah, you playing a whole lot of bass. But this was a live performance overseas. And this is uh, the essential Monk court, uh, quartet with Charlie Rouse, Larry Gales, Ben Riley, and Monk himself. Okay, hold on. I gotta point that out right there. First of all, you boy playing a whole lot of bass. I know some people who might watch this like I ain't no bass player, but let me tell you, as a bass player, he playing a whole lot of bass. And what's cool about this is Monk would always give the bass player he would give his bass players freedom. He's like, man, play what you want. And if you ever notice that all his bass players systematically functions the same way that monks solos so i picked that concept up i said dang they the reason why monk hires them and can play they can play with monk is because they understand how monk thinks when he's playing his harmony so even in his solo you can hear him playing but he's playing the tune that you can hear it it ain't like he just just started to improvise and it's like okay you're gonna do my own thing like he is literally playing the tune and he's playing it in a way that where if you heard monk soloing it would sound like as if monk was playing it that is amazing i'm sorry 
But here now, this is where you you can tell he's like, all right, Monk, you need to bring your butt back on stage because he's now quoting the melody. He's like, all right, I'm going back into it. Like just the way his phrasing, like he's so laid back, but it felt so good. Wow, yeah, yeah, buddy. That's it. That's what we call sauce. <laughs> That's sauce. All right. This one is a fun one. I like this record. This was a fun recording to watch. Um, this is a uh, Charlie Rouse's quartet, and this is them performing Rhythm and Nick. It doesn't specify where the live recording is from. It is from the early 80s, and um, I believe that this video clip was just uploaded for educational purposes, but um, it didn't specify exactly the live performances, but I did like Larry Gell's solo on he, 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 he was He was doing his thing, so check it out and let me know what you think. This is Rhythm and Nig. By the way, Charlie Rouse is that guy. <laughs> Yeah, Larry, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bruh, Charlie Rouse is that dude. He is that dude. First show, he's that guy. I'm gonna fast forward a little bit so we can get to the bass solo. I like Walter. He's he's killing. He's killing though, but y'all need to check out this solo though. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, one thing I like about Larry Gales is like he always sounds like he's having fun, man. Like I like bass players that just sound like they having fun, like they are enjoying themselves. Like they don't, they're not, they're not ego tripping. They ain't worried about ah, I missed this note. I man, I'm just playing. I'm just trying to make music and make it feel good, and I enjoy that about his playing. I just and I love the fact that like he just he really extends the harmony on bass. Like he really pushes the boundary in it feels so good um so this one here uh this last this is the only original song that uh larry gales wrote or at least from my knowledge and what i was able to come across this is featured again on his only self uh, his only uh recording as a leader uh message for monk and this is an original uh tune that is entitled a message from the high priest um this is uh this is again uh, a trip to the loneliest monk and it's like a f minor blues and it's really hip the melody is super hip like i was thinking about trying to learn transcribing this to play it on gig because the melody is really killing so Trying to get to the very 
தொடங்கிறது one of the fast for the solos were kind of long but i had to i had to play that that shout out chorus for y'all at the end that that is so hip and what what i did read the liner notes from this he arranged all by the way so this is another reason why i like larry gales because i didn't really know i didn't really realize he was a dope arranger like he he arranged all of the the tunes and the harmony everything by himself so i was like okay kudos to the basses so now, last but not least, the infamous evidence. Now, everybody, this is probably my favorite version of evidence on this on this record. <laughs> so in the middle of Ben Riley's solo, Mark probably went to go to the bathroom, probably hollering at a chick, got him a got him a whiskey, whatever the case may be. When that man came back on the bandstand, and when Ben Riley was coming out of his solo, and I quote, Monk, uh, Larry, and Ben are playing bop, 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 bop. Monk is playing He starts quoting. <laughs> He started quoting straight no chaser, and you can hear it in the recording. You go, sorry guys. Okay, uh, you can hear it in the recording that both Larry and Ben, you can hear that they're like, this man is clearly not playing the same song we're playing. He's he just went and started a whole nother song in the middle of the song we have not finished yet. So what did the two of them do? They switched with us. They went, they started, they, they, you hear them, you can hear them playing it. Like they start playing the straight no chaser. They went from playing evidence to straight no chaser. And then you hear Monk stop. And then you hear Larry Gales switch back. He's like, I mean, in an instant, he just went, ding dong, uh, boom, 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 boom. He starts, he just switches. And then Monk goes, oh, thank you, bro. I appreciate it. Bop, bop, 
why <laughs> he's just he's playing evidence. So yeah, this is why I like that recording because I couldn't believe that. I was like, wow, they really screwed up like really bad live on this recording, and it somehow. If you don't listen to jazz, if you don't listen to Monk enough, you wouldn't have never caught that. You wouldn't even know that Monk started to play another song in the middle of the song he didn't even finish yet. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. So yeah, you guys tell me what you think. I'm gonna actually fast forward to that. I'll play the head first and then I'll fast forward to Ben Riley's solo so y'all can hear how it comes down. Here we go. I'm gonna just go. See what I mean by the bounce in his plan? Listen to the relationship between him and Ben Riley. I mean, they are in sync right now. Ben Riley solo, okay. He plays a really cool, uh, cool solo. 
by the way, Ben Riley is one of my favorite drummers too. Super tasteful. Y'all cannot tell me that's not hilarious. <laughs> Y'all can the, the first time I heard that, I went back to my teacher and I said, now Rodney, uh, Peter said, I, I know I ain't tripping. But did Monk forget he was playing Evidence and he just started playing straight no chase? Like, yeah, I'm pretty sure he forgot what song he was in. Cause it was so obvious like how he, how he switched back like that. He was like, oh, oh, dang, wait. Wait, that's the wrong song, Bob. And you saw how you just. You, this is why I wanted to point that out. You saw what Larry Gills did. He kept walking, but he changed the harmony. So I rewind that back and I pointed it out to you. You can hear him playing in B flat. He's playing straight no chaser. Then when Monk realized he messed up. Larry Gales goes back and he starts emphasizing the melody, but he's still walking. He's going doom doom boom in mm, mm, in mm, mm. and that's when Monk came back at the uh 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 <laughs> and they just started it back over. That was the greatest thing I've ever heard. I was like, wow, this is talk about in the moment fixing something. But yes, that was very evident. Ha 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 saw what I did there. Okay, so my final thoughts. Larry Gales has inspired an entire generation of highly motivated forward-thinking bass players. He was definitely one of the pioneer basses of the 60s and 70s with his contributions to other members, but particularly with the Thelonious Monk Quartet. One of the very few basses to perform with Monk. I mean, there weren't a lot of bass players that actually got to play with Monk like extensively, like the way he did. He recorded, toured, and worked with him extensively. Um, he had a major contributions to the sound of jazz band, you know, when it comes to uh, playing in a group setting. You know, he, he had a major contribution. I mean, just the way he notated his notes, you can tell that monk bass players are very unique they're 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 they they are differentiated from any other bass player of that time frame time period because they just stylistically and harmonically just played a lot different so without further ado everybody that concludes my uh presentation for today of the love what i love about series i hope you guys took some insight from this and please go and check out uh larry gale's a message from monk please check out his original recording it's the only recording he has under his name as a leader but super prominent super killing 
And that's what I'm about to give you today. Professor, professor, professor. One thing is for sure, I know what I'm going to be listening to for the rest of the day, <laughs> for the rest of the weekend. Uh, this series that you brought up, brought to us today, I mean, what I love about Larry Gales, I mean, amazing. I love the background stories of the performances and the little things that many people don't know. So um, thank you so much for digging deep into that research and getting that for us. We really appreciate that. And mm -hmm. you know what? If you guys love this type of content, uh, we have much, much more for you to check out. Go to our website and, and, and guess what? It's free. I mean, we're keeping stuff like this for free. Nah, I leave people. Five-figure discount. That's right. www.clearwaterjazz.com slash education. And if you love this and you want to give us some feedback, you know, maybe you have a topic Please. you want to suggest for us, we would love to hear from you. Just email us at info at clearwaterjazz.com. We would love to hear from you. Uh, I'm your guest host, Michael Canodo, and this has been Brandon Robertson, the professor. Until next time. Keep it swinging, and we'll see you on the next one. All right. Keep it swinging, everybody. Have a good one. All right. Thank you for listening to Clearwater Jazz Holidays, Young Lions Jazz Master Virtual Sessions. Thank you to our friends at Marine Max Clearwater for helping to present this podcast series. To learn more about the Clearwater Jazz Holiday Annual Festival tradition, other special events throughout the year, and our year-round education and outreach, please visit clearwaterjazz.com.